This is a Spirit of Truth Radio Network original program. It's been said that worry is useless, and that may be true. But worry is that fear that wakes us in the night. Sadly, I think worry has us up pacing back and forth, accumulating more miles than we move forward with. In these times of uncertainty, we need good Catholic advice on how to avoid the paralytic effects of worry. Joining me along the way is an author and speaker on this subject, Gary Zimmick. Gary, welcome. Thank you so much, Dave. Great to be on with you. Oh, it is so good to have you. Gary, I went on Amazon. I was looking at all your books. There are a number of books there. There's a lot, a lot of books there. A lot of great stuff, too. But I really want to talk to you about your latest book, which is Let Go of Your Fear. Right. There, right. That, is a, that is a title that, that must be really taken off in this current climate that we're in. I mean, between coming out of the COVID and COVID mm. making a resurgence, between you know, the, you know Russia and all the things that are going on in the world, there's a lot of things to be afraid of. There, there really are. You know, Dave, it's interesting that even if you can't think of all the things, all the reasons you should be afraid of, the media is real good at letting you know what they are. So yeah. in addition to everything that we tend to, to worry about, the media is going to give you a few more things. And ultimately, I, I always try to be really transparent in my books and in my, in my speaking. I'm somebody who struggled with anxiety from the time I was a young child my relationship with Jesus Christ, somewhere along the line, I got to know him on a personal level. That changed everything for me. I'm still an anxious person by nature, but the Lord gives me such peace. But I got to do the work. You know, I have to make it a point to turn to him instead of turning to everything else, which tells me you are in big trouble. You should worry. Yeah, that's that's a problem that I have. And that's kind of like where I'm at. And that's why I like I wanted to have you on the show because we come together we meet along the way help yeah. me to understand you know padre pio said worry is useless but that was that's easy for him to say when he's sitting yeah. in a religious order when you're a dad and you're trying to put mm-hmm. food on the table or whatever there's a lot of stress on people yeah is there a commonality in what people are afraid of and what i mean by that is yeah. does it is the emotion tied to something you know, that's a really good question. Here, here's what I would say. It, it all comes down to a matter of trust, to a matter of do I trust in God's providence for my life? And, and is he really enough to me? And, and I think so many times, you know, or is he in control? That's a, that's another thing we have to think about. Is, is God really in control? Because if we look at the world right now, it sure doesn't look like it, Mm-mm. right? And we, we, have to, we have to somehow come to believe that he is in complete control, that he loves us, and that if anything happens to us, specifically bad, because we don't complain about the good things, so something <laughs> bad happens to us, right? Mm-hmm. That that he's allowing it to happen, and somehow it can help us. So, I, I mean, and, and that's easier said than done. I mean, there's a lot of, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, don't worry. Okay, that's good, Lord, but let's can you give me a little more? Mm-hmm. And, and he did give us a little more. And that's, I, I used that, uh, that uh, his, his speech from the Sermon on the Mount, when he talks about not worrying, essentially what he's saying, your father in heaven is, is going to provide for your needs, not always your wants, but your needs. And Jesus said, I'm asking you to trust him and not worry. For me, that is, um, it's been a lifelong struggle I'm always, as I said, I'm always going to have that tendency to be anxious, but I can always make that choice. All right, Lord, I choose to trust you. I'm scared, 
but I'm going to choose to trust you. That doesn't mean I don't do anything. I'm supposed to do what I can, but then it comes down to trusting him. And just the final thing about this, Dave, we don't worry about the things we can control. We worry about what we can't control because if we could control them, we wouldn't worry, we'd fix them. Mm -hmm. I'm a control freak. You know, I like to know the future, but unfortunately life doesn't work that way. The Lord's asking us to have faith in him. I often describe myself as a simple man with a simple philosophy that is rooted in divine mercy. Mm. And trust is a big thing. And I often find myself uh, ruminating about all the things that could go wrong and worrying and, sure. and, 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 and stuff like that. Or how do you recognize when enough is enough? Because I will run myself into the ground. And then finally, I just... I break and just say, Jesus, I, I trust in you. But it was, mm -hmm. it was a, quite a journey to get to that moment of trust. Do you have right. any strategies that you use to, to re one, recognize when you're ruminating about things? That, and then how do you come to a, a, a final conclusion of Jesus, I trust in you? Before I answer that, let me just tell you that I spent 30 years as a software developer prior to going into full-time ministry, so which I've been doing for 10 years. So as a software developer, what you're trained to do is look for any potential problem, any stupid thing that a user can do, anything that could go wrong, and, and you try to code around it. So if you have the type of personality like me who is always looking for what could go wrong, in software, it's a good thing. In life, you could drive yourself crazy. Mm -hmm. So I have that tendency, like you said, to always say, well, what if this doesn't work? And I think of potential what ifs that could go wrong. I think what I've learned and, and, you know, I've been, as I said, 10 years of full time ministry, most of which have been directed to warriors because I, I realized early on, and I really feel this is the Holy Spirit giving me this inspiration that you've got a captive audience when it comes to people who worry. They need Jesus, whether they know it or not, and they, they tend to be receptive. One of the things that I've learned is that a question that we can ask ourselves when we begin to worry about the future is can I do anything about this now? You, you know, it doesn't mean you don't save money. It doesn't mean you don't make contingency plans. If I can make those plans, if I can put a little money in the bank, if I can update my resume because my company is starting to have difficulties, God wants me to do that. But if there's something that I can't do, if, if it's out of my hands, if I've done the best that I can, then I think often the Lord is saying, I want you to trust me. And you mentioned divine mercy. I'm looking right now, as we speak, I have the divine mercy image facing me. And uh, when I work, when I write, when I do all my work, I, I look at that image constantly and those words underneath, Jesus, I trust in you. I say those words often. I don't always feel them. Most of the time I don't feel them, but that's okay. Mm. Trust isn't a feeling. It feels so weird to do that though. And I've had people say to me, well, how, how can you say you trust Jesus when you're scared to death? Well, Trust is a choice. It's not a feeling. You know, I choose to trust an airline pilot with my life when I fly. Mm -hmm. I choose to trust Jesus. And it's the more you do it, the easier it becomes. But I think it really comes down to, is there anything I could do about this problem right now? If not, pray about it and let the Lord take over. There's so many people today that, that are suffering with anxiety and, and uh, depression. Where do you think they should begin their journey towards trusting Jesus? Yeah, I, I'm glad. First of all, I'm glad you asked that question. Now, I always have to say when I do these interviews, when I when I write, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a trained professional, I, I, you know, and I but I've dealt with a lot of Catholic therapists, psychologists. Mm -hmm. and I always 
they use my material, which is which is really I'm, I'm stunned that that's true. But it's a really blessing. I've, I've asked before, what do I tell people who are maybe dealing with clinical anxiety? Maybe they do need treatment, you know, and what, what I would say before I answer the, the question you asked me, the where to begin thing is that ultimately I'm an evangelist. I want to share Jesus with people. Mm-hmm. I want to let people know that you need Jesus in your life. Rather than if somebody's dealing with anxiety, I would say get the work on the spiritual. Make sure you have a relationship with Jesus, but don't hesitate to get professional help if you need it. And the reason, again, I'm not a trained professional, so I can't give uh, advice when it comes to depression, anxiety. I can just say that I'm, I'm a guy who struggled with worry and Jesus has healed me. But I would say that if you run to a doctor and get medicine and it makes you feel better and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, why would you pursue the relationship at that point? You know, because if you feel better, you're not going to recognize your need for Christ. Mm-hmm. Anxiety can actually be a blessing. So I would say just you start with Jesus, help me. You don't have to do anything that complicated. Lord, help me start reading some of the, the stories of the miracles in the Bible. Read what Jesus said about worry. And if you still can't get over that, if you still can't escape that worry, you might need professional help. Jesus heals in many ways, medication, therapy, that's all part of it, if, if necessary. Just about a little over a year ago, I suffered a heart attack. And Ooh. yeah, it's... Um, wow. Well, was, doing I, better? I'm doing better now, yeah. But I think I, I blame it all on my, my producer, David Imhoff, who scheduled uh, three one-hour uh, long interviews in a 25-hour period. So my, mm. my shout-out to Dave. Uh, <laughs> Who I love dearly, <laughs> who I love dearly, but, um, but no, I, I actually landed in the hospital and I, I could not pray. I was in St. Francis hospital. I could mm-hmm. not pray like a, a formal rosary or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I just remember, uh, speaking to God from my heart and saying, God, I'm, I'm scared. I'm alone. Yeah. You know, um, this was, you know, during the whole COVID time and, mm. and I was, I was just alone in my room and. So that was for me. That was a it was a wake up moment. It, right. This this whole past year, a little over a year, has just been such a a, a growth for me in 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 this theology that I that I've come up with. You know, of, you know, always trying to be grateful, trying to be reconciled, yeah. service to others, and then you know I I go to the wilderness of prayer and and yep. and I find that that formula sort of helps me to uh keep my depression and stuff under wraps mm-hmm. a little bit but um i guess where i'm going with that is do you have how's your prayer life and, and what does that how does that help you to not worry it, it's everything you know i uh i start each day by spending time with the lord and I, and i i change it up like you said those prayers from the heart they're important some days i, I can't put the words together some days i wake up i'm in a funk in it. And I sit with the Lord and I say, okay, Jesus, I'm just sitting with you. I, this is all I got. I just want to be with you, you know? And it's not so much what we say. It's that time that we spend with him. Help me get through the day. Like you said, Lord, help me. What a great prayer, you know? And I, I start the day with that. And, um, I, I do some reading. Sometimes I listen to some spiritual music. I, I, I pray. And then my wife will generally wake up and, you know, my, my time is about an hour. I spend about an hour in the morning in, in prayer in one form or another prayer, some scripture, you know, it varies every day. I read the daily mass readings, 
My wife will wake up, we'll have breakfast, and we'll pray again together, which is something that we never did before. This came out of COVID, and uh, my wife had really, really bad anxiety throughout this, especially at the beginning when everything was just falling apart. But for her, it was a real, it was a conversion, and, and she got closer to the Lord, and we started praying together. So then we do that, and then we go to Mass. We're able to do that every morning, and it's we're blessed to be able to do that. And throughout the day, I offer some little prayers. Sometimes we'll pray as a family. We pray a family rosary at night. I talk to the Lord throughout the day, but I stay in touch with him, you know, and, and I think that's, that's the key to stay in touch with him and to recognize that wherever we go, we're in his presence. But, but that's something I'm still working on because I forget, you know, you get blindsided by a problem and you, and you forget. And then you say, ah, yes, Lord. We're, but I've learned, Dave, that if the first thing you do is start scrolling your social media feed or turn on the news, you're going to be depressed. Mm-hmm. It's better to get that that time in with the Lord and then start your day. At least that that's what works for me, because then you realize after reading about the miracles he performed, about some of the things he said, you, then you realize when you're watching the news or you're, you're watching things uh, go downhill in your own life, you realize, wait a minute, uh, this is not hopeless everything is going to be okay one way or the other. That's really what I try to, to, to remind myself that no matter what I'm going through now at the end of the day at the, or at the end of my life, it's, it's going to be okay. You know, I mean, we live this, what seems like, you know, a long time here on earth, but in the end, I, I mean, I just turned, I'm 57 years old and I, I look back a couple of blinks and, you know, I'm 57 years old. You know, and I think about that at times, you know, I, after having the heart attack, I wake up and I yeah. think is today the day, you know, yeah. what do you do when, when things like that happen? When, you know, how do you stop that, that process of ruminating about the potential demise? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, boy, I used to be scared to die. I really did. But, but I absolutely relate to what you're saying. I'm going to be 63 in another month. And uh, you look, you look at life differently. Uh, especially when you grow closer to the Lord and you start to realize, like you said, it's going to be over in a relatively short period of time. This life on earth, it's not forever, but yet the trouble is we can see it. It, It's so in your face. You know, it's very easy to see the reality of life, material things, things you could see and smell and touch this kingdom of God. It's invisible. And, And that's hard. You know, Jesus is invisible. God, the father is invisible. The Holy spirit's invisible. So I've got to do some work to connect with them throughout the day. And, um, you, you know, Dave, I have to tell you, I, I think every night I think about that as, as I prepare to go to bed, I say good night to my wife. And uh, I think, am I going to wake up in the morning? I, I don't know. It, but, but oddly enough, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I've grown closer to the Lord. I mean, I'm a, I'm somebody who's, uh, I've gone to church all of my life. I, I was, I'm a cradle Catholic. I was lukewarm for many, many, many years. I, even though I went to church each week, I was completely lukewarm. But when I really got to know Christ and and, and literally surrendered my life to him, and I try to do that every day as, as much as I can, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm at peace. You know, I'm, I'm better. And this isn't me. This is, I believe, the Holy Spirit doing this for me. I'm less inclined to freak out about something that might go wrong, including my own death or sickness or suffering, knowing that the Lord is allowing this to happen. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. cause it necessarily, but he's allowing it to happen. And, um, and I'm not going to be here forever, but, but I, 
this is not something that I have done on my own. I just, my relationship with God is really what has helped me with, with that. Hmm. Does that make sense? Absolute sense. Yeah. You know, I want to talk about some of your books. Um, sure. Give up worry for Lent. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, I, I I don't have any of these books. I, I am gonna pick oh, yeah, up. No. I am gonna pick up the the your new book uh, probably this week. Uh, Let go of your fear. What was your inspiration for that? For let go of your fear? Yeah. I um. I I speak a lot. I I do. You mentioned give up worry for Lent. I do parish missions or so three day revivals at different parishes. Um, and on the second night. And, and the, I've, I've called the parish mission, give up worry for Lent. It's a, it's been really effective. That book has, has been such a blessing. I, I did not expect the book to sell as much as it, as it has. It's been my best selling book. It really has, um, it, there's just something really special about that book. Mm-hmm. So I get, I do these parish missions, give up worry for Lent. And on the second night of the mission, I always take the, the people who are there into the storm and we look at, the two storms at sea with Jesus and the apostles as documented in the gospels. And my goal there is to let them know, to give them hope in the middle of their own personal storms. This book is all about those storms. And I go through verse by verse in detail, talking about the apostles in the middle of the storm with Jesus sleeping in the boat where everything's going wrong, where the seasoned fishermen are in trouble and they, they don't know what to do and they're panicking. And what I try to do is, is, draw the readers into that story with the hope with the hope of giving them hope i mean that's in the middle of their stories because i think dave that's what people need people need hope especially right now they need a reason to get out of bed in the morning yeah you know and and our relationship with god can be that reason he you know if if it's strong enough you can find hope even in the middle of a of a a major crisis and that's that's the message I, I, I want to present. So that's that's what the book is all about. It's a book I always wanted to write, and I'm, I'm glad to be able to uh, to finally write it because, you know, I speak a lot about worry. All worry comes from fear. It mm-hmm. starts with fear. And we can either respond to that fear with faith or by turning inward and worrying. So if we can learn to let go of the fear and, and let the Lord, you know, choose to trust in Jesus, as the subtitle of the book says, then we can possibly avoid that worry that we're going to give into, you know, just by letting go of that fear and giving up to the Lord. I think you already said this earlier, but it's okay to be afraid just as long as you still trust in God. That's the key. That's the, you know why? Because fear is an emotion. Fear is not a conscious decision. We can't, we can't force ourselves to not be afraid, mm-hmm. but what we can do is turned to God in prayer. We can look at what the, the miraculous stories that of, of delivering his people that we find in the Bible. There are things we can do. We can receive the sacraments. We could go spend time uh, in adoration at, at, at our adoration chapel. So there are things we can do which will ultimately help the Lord to lessen that fear. Hmm. But as long as we are praying when we're afraid, that's the perfect response. And over time, I found that I am less afraid than I used to be. And, you know, as guys, this is a big this is a big problem because guys don't like to talk about this because we can't admit. That's why it's nice to have this discussion with you. Mm-hmm. We don't want to admit that we're afraid because we have to be in control. We have to be strong. Because so many guys, dads like me and you, people who have families, we're scared to death about so many things because mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure on us. I am one of those guys. I mean, 
I, yeah. I, after I had my heart attack, it wasn't, you know, it was, it was a few months later. I was, I was, I had just gotten my vaccination, whether you're for yeah. it or not. I don't know. Um, I got mine, but I mean, I got mine. I started having some shortness of breath and it was like kind of the same feeling mm. that I was having when I had the heart attack. Oh my gosh. I went back to one of the hospitals that I was at, uh, when I had my heart attack and I went in to, uh, get a CAT scan and they gave me the, the contrast dye. Yeah. I had an yeah. allergic reaction to it. Oh no. I started oh, going to shots and I, Oh my gosh. My blood pressure was crashing and I was, oh. yeah, it was. And I just said to God, I said, you know, I fell on the floor. I, I, I just said, God, please don't take me this way. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, I was, I was actually terrified. And, and here it is. I, I believe so much in God. I believe so much in divine mm-hmm. mercy, but I still mm-hmm. don't understand where that fear of, yeah. of dying comes from. You, you know, Dave, there's uh not saying it's necessarily the same thing, but I always found it very interesting that in, in the garden on the night before he, he died, Jesus appeared to be, you know, dealing with that, that aversion to death and, mm-hmm. and suffering that I think that's part of our, you know, and, but, but yet he, he still was wanted to accomplish the will of the father and go to meet whatever it is that was affecting. Him. He was sweating blood. I mean, obviously it was affecting him. That's okay. I think there's a natural aversion, a reaction to a fear of death that overtakes us, whether or not, you know, I talk a good game, but if I, if I felt chest pains right now, I guarantee I would be afraid because there's almost, you don't, you don't have time to really think about, well, wait a minute. I'm all, we're all going to die. This could be part of the plan. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm dying. Help. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's okay to recognize that, but what we do with that is really what matters. Like, okay, Lord, help me. Or, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes he brings us to that point to make us realize we're not in control because I love to be in control. I, I do I too. Always want I, to be in you know, I do too. I, I think I'm one of those guys that like believe so much in preparation. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, I, I'm a Lance of air by trade. Mm-hmm. So I'm always like preparing to get my jobs done you know, what equipment do I need? You know, what what type of instrument right. am I going to use? Um, so I'm always planning and, and doing that stuff. But, you know, it's it's that unknown element of, you know, that you just yeah. don't, that kind of throws your plans out of, and that's where you get afraid. The storm at sea, you know, like I mentioned that these fishermen, they mm-hmm. knew what they were doing. And in Mark's gospel, I start the story by Mark writes that they took Jesus along in the boat. You know, they were in charge. They were in control. And yet he had to teach them a lesson. Mm-hmm. He had to teach them that they they weren't as in control as they as they thought they were. Mm-hmm. And I think he does the same thing with us, these unexpected storms. You know, we're cruising along. And what reminds us of our lack of control more than an unexpected storm? I think back to the early days of COVID. I, I, I've never seen anything like that in my life. It's like, oh, my gosh, the NBA shutting down, Broadway shutting down. The grocery shelves are empty. This mystery disease is, is all around. You know, yeah. that loss of control was shocking. But it it led it led me to a deeper relationship with God, I think. And even though I thought I was doing pretty good, uh, it, it led me to really turn to him completely. Mm-hmm. What was it about all that stuff that directed you in that direction and not more of a panic? 
I think I had already been I had already I had already been writing and speaking and talking to the Lord before that. So I already had a, that relationship established with them. I had already been down this road of trying to turn my worries over to him. Mm-hmm. But this just sort of kicked it up a notch, mm. you know, and um, so so I have to say. I didn't panic, panic because I realized that I wasn't in control. I mean, I didn't realize how little I was in control. So it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mentioned my wife and she wouldn't mind me saying this. It just completely crushed her. I mean, her anxiety was unbelievable. She was up through the nights um, and I had book contracts that I had. I had to get books written. So it was I got to the point where I was starting to panic a little bit saying, all right, Lord, you know, I got books to write. Can you like make her better? <laughs> but, but, but then, you know, Dave, I got to the point where I started to hear myself as I'd speak, as I'd write and it. And it's like, wait a minute, I can't do anything without him. These are his books. Mm-hmm. And then I got to, I said, Jesus, if you want me to write these books, you got to help me. And everything tended to fall into place. My wife eventually came through the anxiety. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. It was, I, I owe it to him. I just think I'm in a better place now than I was maybe five, six years ago. So that when this crisis hit, I was less likely to totally freak out. I, mm-hmm. I was still very nervous. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to die. Right. So, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was unbelievable. You travel around, you do a lot of conferences. I'm sure you did a lot of uh, virtual conferences uh, throughout the pandemic. You talk to guys yeah. all across the country. Is there a commonality of, of what guys are afraid of? You know, if you're talking guys, guys are, you know, they're, they're, they're concerned about their families. They're concerned about finances. Um, again, it's, it's sometimes hard to get them to admit it. Mm-hmm. But usually the ones that come to conferences or to my talks, they're in a better place with the Lord. They're more willing to admit that they're, they have fears. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of us are concerned with our roles as providers and protectors for our, for our families. That's finances, it's health issues, um, you know, that, that kind of, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Personal question. Um, how long does it take you to write a book? Surprisingly, most of now this is th- this last last book is my eleventh. I have a twelfth that's the manuscript is finished, but it's not uh, hasn't been edited yet by the publisher. I would say for the most part, maybe two or three months. Really, and that's because I really believe in praying and letting the Holy Spirit lead me. You know, I'm not a writer by trade. That's why I'm I'm amazed that the Lord is able to work through me to to mm-hmm. to put these books out. I have I, I don't have a background in this. Um, I'm not a public speaker. I've, I've always been an introvert, you know, but there's just something that caught fire in me. Mm-hmm. And I just felt God was calling me to, to do this. And the books, it sounds crazy, but they kind of write themselves. You know, I have to, dis- I have to have the discipline to sit down, but mm-hmm. they, they don't take that long for the most part. Really? Cause I'm, I've actually been trying to put one together, but I, I'm already two months into not getting anything done. Yeah. I mean, I've got it, out- it happens. I've got an outline, but it's just, you know, life gets in the way. Mm-hmm. The good thing for me is I, I do this full time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing this full time for 10 years, which is amazing in itself that God's provided for our family. I'm the I'm the sole provider for our family. We had to downsize quite a bit, but 
he's getting us through this. Uh, so I have the ability to, to do that, to spend a time mm -hmm. writing. Oh, that's great. Like you said, you're a public speaker. Um, that had to be a big shock going from, you know, <laughs> writing code and stuff oh like gosh. that to actually standing there in front of people. I can't even explain it because I really am an introvert. And, and, but there's, there's some power that comes over me. I know it's the Holy spirit that I actually started feeling this desire that I want to do this. I want to get, and, and, you know, I I'm exhausted by the time I'm done my talk because it's just the spirit flows through me. And, um, I know it's not for me. I know it's not for me. I have to do the preparation, which you talk about preparing. It's, it's so important to prepare for talks. And mm -hmm. when I do radio, I always have an outline in my head of where I want to go, but I'm also willing to follow, follow the Holy spirit. But I, I think preparation is, is important to at least have an idea of where you, you think he wants you to go with the yeah. talks. Well, Gary, as, as you probably have noticed now, this, this show is unscripted. We, just, I like it. It's just a casual <laughs> conversation with, with two yeah. people. You know that that God puts in our and in, in my way. You know. Yeah. You know, I hope to bring to my audience something that they can grow from, and I and mm -hmm. I really think that your books, the titles of them, um, "Let Go of Your Fear" and "Listen to Your Your Blessed Mother." I think these are great titles, and I, and I think people should maybe check out your your books, and they, they're available on on Amazon, right? Yeah, you know, but I always send people to my website, followingthetruth.com, because I have links from the website to my podcast, to my books, to my, I do a daily email reflection too. It's called Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, which is a Bible verse and a short reflection that's free of charge. People just submit their email address and they hear from me. Mm -hmm. Everything is found on my website. So I always direct them. That's the easiest thing, but the books are available everywhere. Followingtruth.com is what it is? Followingthetruth.com. Yes. Followingthetruth.com. Okay. You bet. Tell me a little bit about who would you like to go? Is there something that I would like to speak to anybody? And Dave, I might be speaking to you. I don't know. You know, I. It, it's so funny when I do these radio interviews, podcasts. I, I don't know how widespread they are, but I do know that I'm connecting with the host for sure, and mm -hmm. and I always mm -hmm. like that because, and you and I are having a conversation and that's really good. So whether this is directed to you or to anybody listening, I would like to let anybody who is going through a storm right now, some sort of a storm, some type, sort of uncertainty, darkness, whatever it may be, that if you bring Jesus into that storm, if you ask for help, like you did, Lord, save me, help me out. I'm, I'm drowning. It will get better. Not always externally, but internally for sure. Because I have a strong belief that if you ask Jesus for help, and all the biblical evidence supports that, and I've seen it in my own life, he's going to help in some way. He doesn't always calm the storm. Sometimes he does, but it takes a while. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he calms the storm. Sometimes he calms the sailor. But I definitely believe that if you ask him for help and invite him into your storm, it will get better in some way. And there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. And I hope anybody listening uh, understands that and believes it. You know, as I said, we need a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And our relationship with Christ is that reason. Yeah, that's a great point you because know? a lot of people, and myself included, I get out of bed so that I can go to my job, put food on the table. Yep. And you've got to remember that that personal prayer time. You've got to remember that relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Even if it's driving in the car, I, you know, I talk to him in the car sometimes. I talk mm -hmm. to him in the shower. 
wherever, whenever I can get the time, I talk to him. Mm-hmm. And, and people have said to me, and you've, you've probably dealt with this too. Initially, it feels like you're talking to an imaginary friend. It feels weird. But that's what faith is all about. And, and I found that the more you do it, the more you talk to him, the, the, the more real he becomes. And that's, that's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit. And I ask the Holy Spirit every morning in my prayers, please, Holy Spirit, make God the Father and Jesus more real to me today. Mm. And that's one of the things the Spirit does, because at times they just don't seem real. And that's why we worry, because if they were real, we would have a lot less to worry about. And, and, you know, for all of us, it's an ongoing process. And to remember in the, in the midst of whatever crisis we're facing that, you know, God's still in charge. He's still in charge. Mm-hmm. So what's your, uh, your uh, speaking schedule look like for the year? I had a crazy busy Lent. Lent was, this was my busiest Lent ever, but I, I've been shut down for close to two years. So like you said, I did some virtual stuff, but it mm-hmm. did, did a lot of writing. But my talks ended midway through Lent of 2020. It was things. I thought things were going great. Mm-hmm. I, I was speaking. I started a couple of talks in February, and then halfway through, everything shut down. Things are slow now. Summer's always slow. Um, and and I'm at a point now where, I, like I said, I'll be I'll be 63. I'm at a point where I technically could retire and start collecting Social Security. I, it's not going to be a lot, but I but I could. I'm trying to figure out. You know, do I continue? full-time working for the Lord. And I'm really leaving that up to him. I've got some books I'm contracted to write. I've got some speaking work for next year. I got a few things for this year. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to see where, where he leads me, you, yeah. you know? So it's, it's slower. Summer's slow and fall. I have openings, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling he's not done with me yet, but he, he tends to make me work. I hope not. That's, I hope you know, not. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm judging by the interest that I feel I have a really unique mission. I, I really do. There's a lot of evangelists out there, but very few are speaking, addressing the matters that I talk about. And I, I think there there has to be a relevance to God. He he we we just have to we have to understand how real he is and how much he can help us with our problems. And I think that's my role. I, I know my role. I've tried to do other things, but that's my role is mm-hmm. to give people hope and let them know that if you're a warrior, you can you can break free from this with the help of Jesus. What do you suggest to people? Because we had interviewed uh, Kevin Nelson from Catholic TV up in Boston. Yeah. What, what's your thoughts on uh, on the media? I mean, you, you, you pretty much opened up saying that it, it's hopeless in their eyes, and they keep adding that hopelessness. How much of the news do you watch? Very little. Yeah. Very, and I, I love the news, but, you know, I, I think during COVID, I really learned that. I, I think you need to be informed. I really do. I mean, my wife and I will watch, me more so than her. I kind of mm-hmm. tell, she said, just tell me what I need to know because so much of it is negative. And, and we really are in a position where we don't know who to trust anymore. We don't know. And that's across the board. Mm-hmm. Everybody is biased. I think so. Even though not some people will say, well, we're not biased. We're going to give you the truth. I, I think everybody's biased and in, in one way or another, maybe even unintentionally. Um, I think COVID was a great example of that. We had a lot of predictions. This is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you don't, if th- this is what's happening next. Well, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And you, we, you come to realize that people are uh, saying things that they really have no authority to say. Only God knows the future. Mm-hmm. So my belief is you watch enough news to be informed and then you turn it off. Because the more you watch it, the more depressed you are, you're going to get. 
And I, I, I find this happening. Sometimes I'm still, you know, this, this up and down thing with COVID over the past two years, you think it's getting better. And then you see there's a report. Oh, no, it's coming back and it's going to be worse than ever. And yeah. here we go again. Right. And there's a new and variant. I feel it sometimes. That's right. And then there's a new variant of the variant. And then yeah. there's a right. And and I would find myself sometimes uh, I, I don't find myself to be overly affected by Facebook. But there are times when I just scroll my news feed and I think, why am I doing this? Because I'm just getting myself upset. Um, and that goes for any number of different things. So I try to limit it. I, I really do try to limit it because when I'm reading about the miracles of Jesus, when I'm reading about him stilling the storm, when I'm reading about him feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, I'm a lot more optimistic and hopeful than I am when somebody's predicting this is going to be the end of us, this, you know, this new variant or mm-hmm. one thing, one thing after another, you know, so I believe in limiting it. Who was it that wrote the book as a man thinketh? Oh, I don't know, but I know I know what you're talking about. You know, yeah. So I mean, we are what we think about. Oh, we are. You know, so we are. If we want to be worrying, we can watch the news. We can watch, you yeah, know, all that stuff. Or we can, like uh, you had mentioned, listening to inspirational music and. Yeah, uh, so. I love Christian music. It makes me, you know, and if you fill your head with good stuff, mm-hmm. that's what you think about, and all of our fears, they come from things that are in our head. They all begin as thoughts mm-hmm. because two people can see the same thing or watch the same news report. One could be freaked out and the other, the other isn't. So it's not necessarily the external happenings that cause us to be afraid. It's what's inside and how we perceive them. So if you fill your head with good stuff, you're going to think, and, and, and it's not, it's not burying your head in the sand. It's not uh, be, being in denial. No, I'm, I'm, I'm the ultimate realist. I believe that Jesus Christ is real. He's, he's alive. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's bigger than any of my problems. That's what I believe. And I think that's about as realistic as you can get. You know, sometimes people mm-hmm. think, well, you're, you're religious. You have faith that then you're in denial. I don't think so at all. I think that what we are, we're sometimes in denial about his power to control the things that are going on in the world. You know, mm-hmm. we shouldn't be in denial. He can fix things. He can do all things. And until we recognize that we're going to get scared, we're going to be afraid. You know, I have a great producer. He, he looked up, uh, it was James Allen who wrote as a man. Thinks. Oh, okay. How much, um, how much do you think community has an effect on our, our worry and our, our insecurities? And what I mean by that is how can men or women help each other out of these, these cycles of, of, of uh, worry? You and I are having a conversation right now. Mm-hmm. We're talking about God. You're telling me some of your, the things you've gone through. I'm telling you some of the things that I've gone through. I'm feeling uplifted having this conversation with you. Mm-hmm. We're sharing, you're coming across as a realistic part, as a vulnerable man. Not that you're weak, right? You're, 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 you understand, you know, you're not in control and that helps me. So when, especially men, when we can talk on this level, that that's rare, it's hard to have these conversations because a lot of guys don't want to talk about like this, but I think it really does help. I meet people all the time, not just men, but men and women at my talks who say, I'm so glad somebody else is going through this. I can't believe it because I'll share some of the, the crazy thoughts that I get and somebody will come up and say, oh my gosh, you sound just like me. Or I read your book and you're writing to me. I think community is incredibly important. And that's the danger of worry. That's what worry is. 
we retreat inward. We ignore the fact that God exists. We ignore the fact that there might be an answer to our problem. I just think of worst case and, oh, no, what if this doesn't work? Then I'm going to have to suffer. And it's all inward, you know, so I think it's good to get out there and talk to other people or to help some other people. And I think a lot of times you find out you don't really have it that bad. There's a lot of people who have it worse, you know, so that's a great point. I'm writing a talk right now on perseverance mm. that I'll be delivering in uh, September for a, for a group here in Connecticut. Yeah. So you, you've actually touched on a couple of the points, uh, one being adoration, you know, the power of prayer. Yep. Uh, we've talked about community, how, how the effect that community can have on us. You've already talked about theology, learning, you know, the, the, spending that time with God and learning more about him. Do you think that uh, serving others could uh, lessen that worry? Oh, yeah. Because, again, it, t- it draws you out of yourself. And it makes you realize that <laughs> this is going to sound nasty, but it's true. Somebody like me who, who, is, who tends to be a worrier, it's often all about me. You know, like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. Like, oh, I have it so bad. My life is a mess. I'm, I'm scared. I'm, uh, I'm going to have to suffer. It's me, me, me. But when I get out there and, and help somebody else, mm-hmm. that's the way God created us. You know, that's how our relationship with God should in- involve knowing him, loving him, and serving him. And we often serve him through other people. So that that's incredibly important. Because, Dave, I have to tell you, I can be really self-centered. That's why I worry so much. I'm always thinking about how's this going to impact me, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so that's a, that's a great point. Serving others, going out there and helping other people is huge. Dave Imhoff, I know you said you wanted to be quiet earlier, but um, can I bring you in here? you have any questions? Uh, you can bring me in. I'm not sure I have a question at the moment, Dave. <laughs> That's good. I was getting scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Dave's on the way. I'm, I'm worried and anxious about uh, Dave. You asked me if I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dave is a... Uh, He's the funny guy here. All right. You're funny looking, Dave. Yeah, I know. That's why we do this. Just I was, you know, I was actually thinking, <laughs> Dave. I was actually thinking about doing a raw, um, just for uh, YouTube, just doing raw uh, along the way, raw, and okay, and see what people thought about that. But then they they'd realize, no, <laughs> it was going to be video and be counter- counterproductive, Dave. Yeah, it, it, yeah. So now let's. We'll we'll edit this down so that it sounds decent. Are you going to cut me out? No, no. You're, <laughs> you want it to sound decent, right? You no, know, the, no. The, uh, the the tagline is casual conversations with interesting people. I am not the interesting person, so we. <laughs> so this show, we don't have an interesting person, I guess. Then, well, right? you're very you're being very very humble because. Uh, no man. Um, hey, hey, Dave. You know what? I I know I know what I can do. I you know I know what what I'm all about. It's just God has been so good to me. It's amazing how He can use a a knucklehead like me. So really, here. I right. You know, but He I, is using us. He is. I <laughs> yeah. You know, I started out when I was a kid. I loved talk radio. I grew up outside of um, Worcester, Massachusetts. Yeah. And you know, I used to listen to great talk radio. WBZ out of Boston. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, WORC out of Worcester and stuff like that. And I just had this love for talk radio mm-hmm. and always wanted to do it. And I never had the confidence to do it. I, I never felt mm-hmm. I had the voice for it. I never felt I, you know, I had the, 
I, I just didn't think I had the disposition for it. I, I ended up meeting a guy up in, uh, I was doing some illustration work in uh, upstate New York. And mm-hmm. I, before my office would open up, I'd go sit in, in this radio station and talk with this guy. And, and we started doing, he had me doing like character voices and stuff like that. Yeah. And he, and he gave me a little bit of confidence, but you know, fast forward a number of years and, and, uh, that's how this podcast came in. I just finally said enough is enough. This is what I want to do. I want to follow this dream. And, you know, nobody was going to give, uh, give a 55 year old guy a, a chance in a, in a radio station. Who's never done anything, but podcasting came along and I wanted to do it for God. So I put the worries away and Dave and I have been doing it ever since. I think that's fantastic. And, uh, and, and I want to say you're doing a really good job. I do a lot of radio and I love your questions and I love your sincerity. I love your honesty. And I think we, we need more of this. You know, I think just a, con- a conversation between two regular people who are just trying to find God and do his will. Well, right. That's, that's what we're doing here. Yep. Um, Dave and I are uh, this uh, this upcoming Saturday are going to be involved with a group that is taking. Are you familiar with uh, Bishop Olmsted's Into the Breach? Remotely, but not not too much. It's the Knights of Columbus have really really be- gotten behind this, and it's it's okay. really uh, you know something that they're pushing. Um, we're actually bringing it to Ireland. They, oh wow! Yeah, so I mean, they don't even know about really they they don't really know about father mcgivney over there okay and they certainly didn't know about into the breach so we uh one of the former guests of along the way uh father uh, gabriel burke i talked to him a little while ago and and dave has been uh organizing a uh, uh into the breach virtual day of, of reflection nice yeah so we're we're doing that we hope that that helps men you know, to, mm-hmm. to become the men that God wants them to be. I think that's a big thing, Gary, is is when we become the, the man that God wants us to be, we will worry less. When exactly. We, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And we won't yeah. we won't have that anxiety. Right. You, like you said, and, and I've I've often said that this trust is a choice and we have to choose yeah. every day to trust in him. That's right. Yeah, every day. And I make that choice every day. And I fail a lot too. Mm-hmm. And that's that's okay. That's part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not perfect. Yeah, I, I I've often thought of myself as, you know, on the day that I do die, I will Jesus Christ will be picking me up as I cross the finish line. Mm-hmm. But I will be, That's a nice yeah. That's a nice way to look at it. You know. I will be crawling, but I think that's you know, the outlook that we have to have is is to just say, Jesus, I trust in you. That's right. Or as right. or as Saint Faustina said, "Jesu ufam tobie." Uh, okay, I'm I'm Polish, so I get that. Dzień dobry, Japan. But I don't speak the. Li- I just know very little. Oh my gosh! No, not bad for an Irishman, huh? <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And my parents spoke fluent Polish too. I never never really learned it. Just pick up picked up a little bit here and there. Yeah, my little nun friends up at the Felician Sisters in Enfield, Connecticut. Polish order. Uh, okay. they, they taught me the Yezu Ufam Tobie. So, mm. uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. It's that choice every day, you know. Mm-hmm. To, and uh, unfortunately, so many times I want to trust in myself, you know, I, but that's that's hard. It's hard to make that decision. But we trust people all the time. Why not trust Jesus, right? Truly. And it, it's it's a work, we're all a work in progress. We are. Good point. 
you know, and, and that's point. that's why I named this uh, program along the way. We're all that's along right. the way somewhere, and we're here to help each other. My path intersects with Gary Zimix, and we have a great conversation about something that I'm struggling with. And you're you mentor me through this hour long or 45 minutes, whatever it turns out to be. And you give me great advice, and I take it, and I learn from it. So I just want to thank you for that so much. Likewise, brother. Likewise. So for my guest, Gary Zimmick, my producer, David Imhoff, I'm down the hall, Dave, praying always that your troubles be less, your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. We'll see you next time.